Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I'm a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, where we have founded the Product Management Center, which is a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. Red Russick here, who joins me every week, was on the founding advisory board, and he said, you know what? If we're going to be leveraging the brilliance that we have here at the University of Washington and that we have here in Seattle, if we're going to leverage that for everybody's gain, we need to be on Clubhouse. And so because of Red, we are here every single week with some of the greatest minds in the business. And we are going to bring you insight into product management at a startup versus at a major company and some things that everybody should know, whether a startup or uh, working at Amazon, Zillow, or some major company. Red, I'm going to turn it to you to tell them how can they be involved in today's conversation. And I'm going to put you on the spot. Why do you give so much of your life to startups and to product managers? Absolutely, Jeff. Well, I'm trying to match Sumeya's enthusiasm. You, you really stole the wind out of my sails here, Sumeya, I, I, from the beginning of the show. So I'm going to have to amp it up even more if you can feel me through the clubhouse <laughs> waves. Here I we can. go. First of all, tonight's show is recorded. There's a red dot at the top of the screen. That's not for me. That's for everyone else out there to know. This show is going to be available not just tonight, but on podcast worldwide. So if you're interested, how to succeed in product management is the name of the show. Now, as far as uh, the community is concerned, and I want to hype this up, Jeff, we surpassed 1,000 Slack members for the product management community. So if you're someone listening to the show right now and you're like, wait, wait, there's a Slack? It's not just a podcast? That's right. You can just ping me, text me, pigeon mail me, fax me, throw a rock my way. I will send you a link to join one of the largest, if not, I believe, Jeff, we're at this point, the largest Slack community for product managers. I can stand to be corrected if someone wants to send it my way, but we've been open less than a year. And Jeff, to answer your question why I care so much, it's because product managers are what make the world go round. And no one seems to care as much about the product managers as they should, in my humble opinion. Now, why am I saying this? I've been at a startup for 10 years. I was not the product manager, but I've worked with the people that make the business run. And those are the product managers. Those are the CEOs. Those are the engineers. But the PM continues to be that glue that holds that whole company together at a startup. It's the person everyone at an early stage startup wants to be. And so Sumeya and Jeff, why tonight's show is amazing is we get to give a voice to those PMs who join those early stage companies, who become that unified resource to the vision and the future of the business. So I'm super pumped because I've been through this, I've worked with y'all, and all I want to do is lift you up. So that's my little spiel. Join the Slack community, listen to tonight's show, and give our speakers tonight a hoorah for going through what they're going through to support you. And speaking of supporting product managers, Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca is uh, formerly a VP of product at Zillow, really did some major initiatives there to support employees, and is now creating a more diverse world through a new startup. I'll let her tell us a little bit about it. Rebecca, tell us about your journey in product. Hey, Jeff. Thank you for having me on here. Um, yes, those things are both true. I was at Zillow since the very beginning. So, 
I guess I have the the startup PM experience from that. And um, I was at Microsoft as a PM for a few years before that as well. And then now my company is OwnTrail. I'm the CEO and co-founder, OwnTrail.com. And we're a platform for women to visualize and navigate our life paths. And so I am, of course, filling the product function there. We have a team of um, eight now. So um the, the thing with early stage startups is you wear a lot of hats and I'm wearing all the product hats right now, although excited to probably be hiring a PM in the, the spring of this next year as well. But um, yeah, it's been a really cool journey. Uh, one that started accidentally into product management where I kind of showed up to a PM interview by mistake at Microsoft. And I've been on on that journey ever since and excited to to share a lot of those experiences. All right, Rebecca, thanks for joining us today. And thanks for all your help. Uh, You've been very supportive of the Product Management Center and also connected us with some great organizations as we're working to empower 100 professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first product management role by June 2022. And Rebecca has hooked us up with Products by Women and a couple other organizations. We're raring to go with the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. Uh, But anyway, Rebecca, thanks for being here. Now I want to turn it to Justin. Justin, I want you to do two things. Uh, Tell us about your journey and product. And why don't you just go right off and tell you what is the most important skill for product managers to develop and the most important skill for both product managers and founders who are heavily involved in the product? Awesome. So thank you for having me. My journey in product was like many product managers. I started off in something else. I happened to start off in digital marketing. And when I was at Web Trends, we kind of had some uh, interest in moving into social media. And I was doing a lot at the time. And we had an opportunity with Facebook to help launch their initial Insights API. So I got together with another engineer and had a, an executive sponsor. And uh, we built the very first sort of application analytics for Facebook apps and got hooked. Started jumping from you know one startup to the next. Moved my way up to sort of be VP of product at the last two companies I was at. One Seattle-based Mixbo, and then uh, we got bought by another company, NetSertive. And it's been quite an experience learning as I go and you know chatting with other product managers. All the companies that I've worked for have you know had 400 people or or less. So I'm particularly excited in in discussing how product management is maybe different for companies that have more than 500 people compared to those that have less than 500 people. And I think when you are at a company that has less than 500 people, one of the things that's really important for you to develop is how you can bring everyone to the table. Because you know, if you're in a larger company, you might get the luxury of, I get to decide product management with some certain influences, but Many people in the organization just kind of see product as like, you know, I don't understand all the things that are moving in this large company, and I just sort of accept that this is what our roadmap is. Obviously, there'll be some people at the top in influential roles that'll have something to say. But in a company with less than 500 people, everybody thinks they have a say in sort of how the product roadmap is going to shape up. And that's because they do. And the ownership there that everyone feels and the desire to sort of drive the business forward is a wonderful energy that if you learn how to harness and tap into and make everybody part of the process, it's a really good experience. If you don't, it makes a disastrous experience of feeling like, you know, can't get everybody to get aligned. So so kind of learning how you bring everybody together to sort of see 
how their input fits alongside everyone else is a really key skill. And now, Sumeya, I want you to build on that. But first, of course, tell us your journey and product because you've worked for startups, major companies, and all in between. And if you could kind of layer on what Justin said, do you agree with that being the number one skill? Or do you have something to add or dispute? <laughs> Definitely agree. Uh, I think it's a really important skill. My journey, I started working in large cor- uh, companies, corporations, and you know, 10 years into that career, I worked for a startup with 150 people. And that startup had its own challenges, had a lot of amazing things that worked really well. But also, I, I noticed that there was an aspect of one of the large corporations I worked in where I was working in a small group that started as, you can say, as an incubated idea that then took root and grew. And the team and the, the service and the revenue grew 500% year over year for a few years. And so I was able to see what entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship look like and see some of the differences and the similarities. I've participated in in a lot of discussions about, oh, the mindset of an entrepreneur or founder or what makes you successful in a startup is not necessarily what makes you successful in a small company or, or, or in a large company. I'm not necessarily one of the people who agree with that dichotomy or with that differentiation. And that's something I want to bring up here today because that was true in my journey as well. I think fundamentally, if you are a person who has a growth mindset, if you are a person who understands that you need to be flexible based on the situation and the needs in a startup, you have the runway is a big important factor in a lot of the decision making that you don't actually have to worry about in a large company. And so as as long as you're constantly evaluating data and changing your thinking, not applying the same mindset or the same mental patterns to every single situation you go in, which is, by the way, a bias that we all humans have, and we use it to to enable us to make decisions faster. But as long as we are cognizant of that fact, then I think you can be a successful products manager in both a startup and a corporation, and you can make that switch. Can that switch happen immediately overnight? Maybe, but it requires mindset work. And I think people who want that kind of experience always make it happen. So I'm here to say <laughs> that that you know differentiation that we talk about a lot of corporate versus startup product management, yes, it exists and we'll get to talk about it. But if you want to make that shift, you can. And we can talk about some of the different men- mental pa- patterns and the different frameworks and ways of thinking that can help you do that. All right. Thank you, Samaya. Great to have you here as always. I want to go to Rebecca because you spent time at a startup and a major company all in one fell swoop going 14 years at Zillow. Did you notice a change in kind of the skills you needed to continue to uh, deliver value for your customers and your business as the company continued to grow? Yeah, I really agree with what Sumeo was saying. It's growth, right? And of course, like for me at Zillow, I started as a pretty entry-level product manager and grew to VP of products. So there's like my own personal growth in the profession. We grew from a stealth startup of maybe 20 people to about 6,000 people and I left. So there's of course company size. And then 
I worked on a lot of different areas of the product that required different skills. I worked with a lot of different kinds of people over the years that required, you know, I think di- different ways of working with people. And then there's also just the product life cycle in itself, which like, you know, as you go through the product life cycle, what you're working on and how you approach it changes too, right? And so there's so much variance. And I think that being a really great product manager is almost like, a way of problem solving, a way of approaching relationships, a way of approaching um, life, if you will, <laughs> right? If we if we want to get a little more existential about it, but um, and when you, when you have that, you know, the growth mindset that Simeo was talking about, and the adaptability, and like a way to use both intuition and data and and relationships and people to solve problems, then you can kind of apply that to all these different phases of these cycles and the fact that there's so much variance in all that is what makes it fun. All right. Thank you, Rebecca. And going back to what makes it fun, Justin, what makes it fun being a product manager at a startup? What are some of the things that kind of keep you going, helping people do this better? Great question. So I thought I could also stir in some controversy here because I know that that's what Red really wants. Oh, yeah. Bring rumors, it rumors. He's been listening. He's been listening. <laughs> you know, when you ask the question, Jeff, what makes it fun at startups? I'm like, come on. This is going to be so biased. What about things that make it not fun? But anyway, Justin, I'll digress. Let's see what no, happens. No, I, I think they're, they're both interesting points. I do agree with the general sense of what makes a good product manager of, you know, lots of the points that Rebecca and Sumeo were making around intuition and being a problem solver. You know, there's some ability for that to work at both a startup level and at a corporate level. Um, But the reality of your day-to-day job and your duties at a startup is that you have to be much more of a generalist. Um, And, you know, it probably is really obvious that you have to wear a lot more hats when you're at a startup. But that means that fundamentally, the way that you sort of have to think about prioritizing your time, how you keep engineering fed with direction, how you keep the conversation when you're sharing your roadmap in the executive team weekly meeting and the head of sales is, you know, escalating an issue about, uh, you know, feature that wasn't there because and that's why they're not closing this really important deal. But the rapid refocus, being completely under-resourced, that makes the experience fundamentally pretty different. And some people just frankly might not be very good at that or want that. Um, I've had product managers move from you know underneath me at a startup into larger companies, and they're like, oh, it's so great. There's a business analyst, and there's you know a product research team, and the executives are actually handing down strategy top-down, and you know, it's so much better organized and, you know, fundamentally a different experience. So I, I think what makes it fun kind of depends on who you are. You know, if you like wearing all those different hats in a very dynamic environment versus, you know, I think I want to be more of a specialist. At the end of the day, the thing that sort of transcends both is solving problems. I think that's, you know, really what makes product management fun. So Rebecca, I want to ask a question building on what Justin said. In your opinion, do you think having those more resources, access to researchers and access to uh, all the different people who could help you as a product manager in a bigger company versus when you have to wear all those hats, does having those resources make you stronger as a PM? Like make you more effective, or is there a downside to the additional resources? Yes, and yes. So you know, it's, there's pros and cons. I kind of like the order in which I've done things, oftentimes, which is like do all of the work myself first to learn what goes into it, and then be resourced to be able to hand some of that off. 
And I got to experience that at Zillow going from, you know, the early days wearing lots of hats and being able to raise my hand for so many different areas of the product, but also different roles. Like I started our first usability studies there before we had a usability researcher, or, you know, I used to do all my own analytics before we had like a dedicated analytics team to work with. And that was really, it's really good to know what goes into it. You know, I'm kind of experiencing that now as a CEO where I'm like managing our HR and our financials and our legal, and I can't wait to hand that stuff off. But like, there's definitely something really cool about learning how it works and then hiring better than you to do the stuff. And so I think having both of those experiences is great. You get a lot more done when you have more resources and it's nice to learn by doing as well. And that relates to kind of the point of do things that don't scale. So you do things by hand and learn about how terrible or easy they are and then you pass them off after you've fully invested in understanding them and and seeing that they work. So may anything to add to that or my bastardization of doing things that don't scale? Um, No. comments there? I love that concept, doing things that don't scale. I think since we're talking about this both from a product management perspective and also from a founder's perspective, I think that's one of the best ways to, one, be customer-centric and to test hypotheses and reduce risk. And so if you take that product mindset even to your team's work and determine how to scale and how to bring on more people to do other work, I think that that makes a lot of sense here too. I wanted to bring up another aspect as well of, uh, you know, this difference between the startup product manager versus the corporate one. I think it's easier to find templates of product management roles at large corporations. So if you look at, for example, the the Google template, then you're going to find many companies that have followed that template and hired in similar ways. There is the Facebook one and so on. I think if you start thinking about startup, that varies. And so to me, when it comes to evaluating product management roles at startups, it's extremely dependent on your conversation with with the founder. So as a PM, evaluating whether you want to join a startup or not, considering, of course, that startups are also risky. And we can talk about how that risk evaluation, also how you think about that based on funding and what stage they're at, etc. But uh, let's just assume that they're riskier than corporations. Um, There are different questions and different dynamics that you should think about there. Yes, it's true when you're joining a corporation, you need to also have similar conversations with your hiring manager. But in corporations, you also have the ability to move around and to explore other teams. And it's it's not necessarily as limited as the startup is where the founder who has the vision is usually a de facto CPO that you're working with, whether you're going to lead product or not. It's really the company started because of an intuition or an insight or something that they believe in around the product, the problem, or the market. I, I wanted to start some of the the conversation around the differentiation from day one. You, the PM, evaluating opportunities, hone in a lot on the founder, and understand how your relationship is going to be with them and what does it look like to grow in that role with that founder. And we can talk in more details, but I'd love to hear from Rebecca and Justin about that first step for a PM. Yeah, Rebecca or Justin, want to come off mute? Have anything to add to what Sumeya said there? 
I'm just going to kind of riff off of what you're saying there, Samaya. The, the way that you can take on new areas of work changes as the company grows, right? So, um, and I think any of us that are like PMs at heart have a strong, tend to have a strong appetite for solving new problems and taking on new challenges. And when it's an early stage startup, you basically do that by just like saying, I can do that. And everyone's like, great, take it because <laughs> there's so much to do and, and not enough people to do it. As the company grows, it takes a different kind of advocating for yourself to take on new opportunities and to recognize opportunities that haven't been necessarily named yet and push for for getting those invested in. And, um, and that's an art form in itself. I think there's definitely something nice about certainly about growing with a company because you get to experience those ranges of experiences or choosing to go, you know, I went really big to really small to gradually growing bigger. And I can say that when I started really big, I started at Microsoft. I just didn't even know how to navigate that at all as, as a ambitious product manager in terms of like, how do I advocate for what I want to be working on or getting recognized for what I've done or contributing as much as I can because it was so big. Then when it, when I was in a small situation, you know, I was able to take on as much as I could possibly handle. And then I got better. And then I built up that muscle of, of really seeing opportunities and making a case for them as I went. So I don't know if uh, that kind of answers what you're thinking. Yeah, I love that, Rebecca, because you bring up something that has come up in multiple conversations with other PMs that I've worked with or mentored over time, which is, you know, they would, for example, they would start their career in a large corporation. And so they've worked in a large corporation. Then they go to a startup and they spend a few years, let's say three years growing with it. And then when an opportunity comes up for a role that they actually did at the large corporation, because they have gotten like so heads down, focused on what's going on with that startup and getting deep, that often they don't remember to come back up and position themselves and keep reminding, you know, everyone around them that this is something they actually have done as well in the past. This is not necessarily the exact points you brought up, but I think it's an important one around advocating for yourself so that when the company is scaling, you're also in the right place to take advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. And that, of course, spans well beyond product management disciplines to like everything you do is, you know, especially the further you go is more about creating opportunities and advocating for yourself. And then as you go further, also having the opportunity to advocate for others and and create those opportunities for others. But it's a learned skill, right? And I think that when you're kind of zooming between small and big or different companies, different leadership teams, that it can become nuanced and I love that you brought that up. Yeah, I also thought it would be good to share, I like to call it like when the train goes off the tracks. You know, it's when you're lucky and you have a visionary founder and, you know, a good team around you, like there's one experience. And then there's another experience when, you know, the the founder had a good idea, maybe a good vantage point to start, but doesn't know where to go after that. Uh, and I've experienced this at a couple of companies where, you know, a lot of growth hit a plateau and there was a recognition that, you know, it's like a lot of bands, they had one hit and they don't know music theory. So they don't really know how to go back to the well and, you know, come up with, you know, more great music. And so sometimes, you know, what you have to do is help rally everyone around this idea that we we need to be methodical about our decision making. And you might be the person sort of doing that in a manage up perspective and 
couple of things that have been really effective for me in the past have using tools like the product market fit survey, you know, to help identify where we need to improve, where are we doing well, that we need to double down on that, continuing to sort of follow some of these research methods that again, when you have a large team, they're not that big of a deal to to roll out. You might be doing this for the first time though, and you're, you know, struggling to sort of just again keep engineering fed with direction. And you're trying to learn this on the side, you know, and so one of the things you end up having to do to be very resourceful is learn how to Google and read a lot. <laughs> Those are some of the key things that are really important is you, you have to figure out ways to be able to bring data and bring objectivity to the table for when the train goes off the tracks. Justin, you bring up a really important point because I, I was reading this uh, stat recently, 90% of startups fail and 70% of that number they fail between years two and five. And so if you are a PM also <laughs> evaluating the risks and the opportunities with a startup, I think thinking about the different ways it can fail uh, are really important. So that's a great point. Thanks, Jess. Yeah, and I, I would also like riffing off that kind of train going off the track thing and looking at the different seasons of, of your PM career, I think when you start off as a more junior PM, your scope of focus is like a single feature, right? Or even part of a single feature potentially. And then the the more you grow in your career, the more your scope grows to be, you know, sets of features or entire areas of a company or, you know, an entire company if you're starting one. And I mentioned that because it's very possible for a feature to go off the tracks, right? But I really like the the idea that you should never build a company around a feature. You should build a company around a whole vision. And if you have a really strong vision, then the features can go off the tracks. And what you'll learn to do as you build maturity in your PM career is to kill your babies, essentially, um, <laughs> which is um, you know, a feature that you've worked really hard on and really believed in. Turns out it's not working or turns out you need to rethink it or pivot. And when you're thinking in terms of scope of a whole company or a whole vision as opposed to a single feature, then it like I've had to do that many times in my career. I've had to kill things. I've had to suggest killing things and then lead the charge on killing them of things that I've worked really hard on and that my teams have worked really hard on. And you know that too is a muscle you build over time. But I think when you're zooming out to the vision level, it makes it easier to do that. And that's really how you kind of write that train oftentimes that is going off the tracks. All right. Speaking of going off the tracks, we are dangerously close to missing out on Red's moment to shine, which is when we get audience questions. So I want to thank Sumeya, Rebecca, and Justin for listening to me and answering my questions. But now we want to hear from the audience and get them to answer your questions. So Red, before I kick it over to you, I got to take this interlude to just uh, a quick plug for the Product Management Center at the University of Washington, which is launched with the help of so many product managers from around the country. And we are leveraging the interdisciplinary faculty that we have here at the University of Washington, the amazing students and alumni, and the connections to some of the most innovative companies in the world that are located right here in Seattle. We're leveraging all of that to try to enrich the lives of diverse product managers across the country. Uh, right now, there's a couple programs that we have. We have the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, where we have a, a goal to empower 100 new product managers from historically marginalized communities. 
And we also have a Slack channel, which I think Red will share plenty about. And we're looking for volunteers who will help kind of drive engagement and, and programming there on the Slack channel so that we could have moments like this where brilliant people share brilliant ideas and help everyone get better at what they do. So if you want to volunteer, reach out to me or Red or Sumeya and help us help you, help us help founders and product managers across the country. But Red, I, I didn't keep us off the tracks too much. Are you ready? Not again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Red E? Come on, Sumeya, give me a little laugh. Nothing? No? Don't do it, Sumeya. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't fall for his traps. You, uh, your friends. So I have to do it. Okay. Well, well, Jeff, I appreciate your introduction, but I have to say before anything else, as proud as I am about the Slack community, we are agnostic in the way of making sure this isn't about University of Washington. This isn't about one place to be successful. We're here to lift up all PMs. And I got two people that Slacked me, funny enough, in our Slack to tell me there are two other large Slacks globally that have over 23,000 members. So we've got our work cut out for us. But if anyone here is part of the product folks, no joke, that is the name of a Slack group, or product collective, uh, there is so much out there for PMs. And if you're new to this, then we've done our job today, Jeff. We've done our job. We've opened that door for those PMs who need a way in. But for everybody else who has questions who wants help from the community, this is your time to shine. So here's how it works. There's a little hand at the bottom of the clubhouse. It looks like a little hand over a notebook. You click on that button and that will take you up on stage. We have question and answer time for y'all. So we want the opportunity for you to be comfortable asking questions. We also have the Slack group where you can ask them. I saw someone raise their hand. All we ask is that you have somebody, you have a face in there and that you are in the community. And Jeff, even today, I will let physical therapists Come on stage. That's yes. right. Yes. That's right. If you're a dentist, come on up. Uh, because who knows? You maybe have a startup idea. And as we just heard, at a startup, it's very difficult to be a PM and we know what it's like. So, Megan, hopefully I'm saying your name correctly. You are on the stage. The microphone is yours. What's your question? How can we support you? Hi. So, I'm looking for a change in career. And I'm wondering... What do people, what do startups look for in a product manager? Ooh, good question. I'll take that one if you want, because I'm super opinionated on this. Please, <laughs> okay. please. And if anyone disagrees, I encourage it highly. Please. Okay. So it's, it's actually not a super fulfilling answer because it's really open. Like I... I firmly believe that there's not a single path that leads to being a great product manager. And when I see some of the best product managers that I've gotten to work with, they have incredibly different backgrounds, educations, career histories. And so like, I think anyone who thinks that they can figure out who is going to be a great product manager just based on resume alone is, you know, I would question that. So when I do PM interviews, it's really about problem solving. And it's not the kind of like trick problem solving, like why is a manhole cover round kind of thing, right? But it's really like, there's the kind where there's no one right answer, but you want to see how someone thinks through, you know, what are the problems that need to be solved in this scenario? What are possible solutions? How might I weigh the, the solutions given the parameters? You know, how would you then kind of creatively come up with what, what features might address those solutions? And really like thinking out loud and talking through those problems. And then, you know, also just being able to talk about 
past projects you've worked on, which aren't necessarily always, you know, with the exact same job title or anything, but just how you've broken down problems and brought people together in the past. And it's just, it's so squishy. And I think that there's like, I don't really believe that there's a given certification or, or job title that means you're going to be great at it because it's really about intuition and relationships and problem solving. So not the most check the box kind of answer, but it also is nice because it leaves possibility for so many different kinds of people to move into product management roles. I'm a fan of that answer. I also want to give one very specific to your situation, Megan. Um, I, I just see from your bio very quickly that you have worked on a marketplace, for example. And so if you're looking to get into product management, you know, in a startup, leverage that part of your background and experience. Uh, that's very specific. Marketplaces are are unique. They have a lot of different dynamics that don't necessarily exist in other types of startups. And so consider anything that maybe is slightly niche to be a point of strength and highlight that and, and go after uh, that. I, I'm curious if, if there are others who disagree. Should she go general or more specific? My take on this is to be specific. I'm, I'm going to throw this out to Justin because I know this is a place you focus on. Awesome. Yeah, so one of the things I did as part of my recent funding effort on uh, on my startup is, you know, because we build software for startups to be able to do product management. An interesting thing that I learned is that 96% of all product managers work for companies that have more than 500 people. But 97% of software companies have less than 500 people. So your best bet is to go and get a position if you want to go right into product management as an entry-level job you know, in one of the you know, larger companies. If you want to get into a startup, you either have to have some kind of a relationship you have to get lucky, find somebody who you know is open to hiring based on you know the right sort of qualities of a person and sort of nail the interview. Seeing people get into product roles at the smaller companies, it's mostly because they have transitioned into product and they've come through either the customer success team or they have come from marketing. Like those are the two, or even engineering. Um, so you sort of get converted into a product manager because everybody realizes, wow, this person is, you know, sort of naturally in their current role, really aware of like customer need, really knowledgeable about the product and, and seems to know how to bring people together and do alignment. That's one way you can get a job if you don't have the resume to start inside of a small startup. But the easiest thing to do is to go get a job at, at a bigger company, um, build up some experience there. Justin, if I could try to summarize this in a quick, memorable way, you can either go for like the Amazon, Microsoft product manager MBA. You go to a big company, you get titled a PM, and then you can leave there saying, I was a PM, and then go work for a startup. Or you can try to grow internally saying, I know what's best for the customer. Give me a shot at delivering that. Is that a fair analysis? Yeah, it is. And I'm not telling you that you can't go just get a direct product manager job at a small startup. It's just Odds are against you because there's very few roles. And the most in-demand role for a small startup is I need an experienced generalist because I can't hire that many people. And so if you're going to go to a startup that's small, 
your best bet is, yep, get a job doing something else and then move over into that role. And then I want to chime in too, because uh, we have a lot of uh, startups uh, and other companies talking to the product management center, trying to access diverse talent that we have here in our community among our students and um, broader community. And it seems that startups, depending on how you define them, commonly ask me for somebody experienced. They want somebody who's got five to seven years as a product manager, already knows uh, the ropes and is ready to just hit the ground running. I found that they're a little less patient with, uh, let me hire somebody who's never done this before to do this for the first time. But I will plug the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, which is trying to help uh, people get their first product management roles. And so I'd, you can Google that and check that out and see if that's right for you. But Sumeya, you work in startups and with co- startups. Is your experience much different? Or, or do you agree that many of them are looking for some their product managers to have a, several years of experience? I think it depends on the size of the startup. So uh, if we're talking about the first product management hire, yes, they generally want someone who has a little bit of experience, especially if the founder doesn't have that experience. But for my friends who are founders who come from a product management experience, they're more willing to hire someone with a little more depth in marketing or let's say data analytics, something a little more complementary. And this is why it's so hard to have, you know, general rules that apply to startups, because then you start looking at startups that have three product managers uh, and a head of product, and the head of product is willing to hire a brand new product manager without any experience. I know I've done that myself as a head of product. I had a team of five people, and the next hire I made was someone fresh out of college, who had sports medicine experience. So it didn't really matter that they didn't have the product management experience because between us, uh, myself and the rest of the team, we wanted to teach them and show them the ropes and um, have them bring their individual strength to complement the team. It's hard for me to generalize except to say, if you find opportunities to talk to founders and you really are interested in talking in in a startup role, do it. Go for it. Uh, and then last but not least, Jeff's recommendation, the cohort that's going on right now and the upcoming ones, I highly recommend that for anyone who's interested in breaking into product management. Thank you, Sumeya, for that perspective. So, Megan, with your question, we not only covered what it's like for someone who's breaking into product management to get into a startup but someone who's been potentially a product manager from a larger company getting into and finding that right startup. So hopefully you feel like your question's been answered. We have more people on the stage. And again, if you want to follow these folks on stage or DM them, they're in that Slack group and ready to engage. All right, Saad, hopefully I'm saying your name correctly. You've been waiting patiently and you're also new to the Slack group. The stage is yours. How can we help? Hi, Red. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Sad. I'm from Morocco and I work for a foundation as an expert trainer. It's a program with the global banks. We are a partner for global banks and we select ac- to accelerate, accelerate startup. We do monitoring strategy and technical support for, for the project. My, my question is more related to the product, product manager. So, uh, as uh, Sumeya said, uh, Product manager must get in touch in many different areas, the legal one, financial one, uh, the marketing, the project management, digital marketing. So, I mean, all the stakeholders in overall. 
but I really have this question how we can handle and merge all of them together in terms of making them taking the right decisions because that, as as you said everybody here that in a startups the decision is not made is not like in in normal company that there is the CEO the manager that he took the responsibilities and in I mean in in a traditional way so how we can merge and how we can like make an equilibrium between everybody and to handle uh, different uh, this d- different uh, suggestions mm-hmm. and, and all that. If my That's question a- is: the product manager is who is essentially must given the the right decision and mix between them. Wow. Well, if that question doesn't give you an indication of what it's like to work at a startup, let me tell you. I mean, Sumeya, you came off mute. This is a great question for what it feels like to be at one. Right? There- Where does the responsibility <laughs> lie? So, well, Sumeya, I'm kicking this one to you. There are so many layers to the question. I think there are layers around decision making. And I'm I'm only going to take one part of it because I'm also curious to Justin or Rebecca's perspective. But whenever I think about situations where there is there is some friction and tension around or questions around who gets to make the decision and how does the decision get made? I ask questions about the size of the company. So decision-making for a team of 10 people versus five even or 20 is completely different. And the reason I say that is because that's when you start thinking about, you know, representatives or, you know, heads, leads. You start thinking about frameworks and process. Um, I know... Many of us or a lot of people think about processes, you know, overhead that's not necessary. And we love startups because they're fast and they don't have to worry about that. But whenever you get above three people, you actually have to have a process, even if it's an unspoken one or one that you tacitly agree to. Just the process of having a Slack or a WhatsApp channel that the three of you talk on is actually a process. And so I I just want to ground us in that. And then the the second part to this is I also find that in a lot of startups, as they make those transitions between those sizes of, let's say, 10 people to 50 people to 100 to etc., this tension exists because they have to take the time and ask the question of how do we work together at this size and how do we work together effectively. And sometimes something essentially painful happens for that question to be asked. And so by something painful, it's it's either one employee in a, in a painful way, they're like, I'm done with this. This is not what I signed up for. Or collectively, there is like a demand for this to be addressed. Or, you know, like in the most unhealthy uh, environment, no one talks about it. Everyone complains about it behind the scenes and no one does anything about it. So this is where we start talking about culture and we start talking about process. And to me, there is no single answer that works exactly the, the same way, as in I can't tell you what process to use within your team to make decisions, but I can tell you that this is a conversation that must happen at every level of the startup. Collectively, the startup needs to agree on how decisions are going to be made, who gets to make them, what accountability is, etc. Uh, happy to hear from others. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of frameworks to be broken down there, but Justin wanted to weigh in on this one as well. 
So Justin, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those times where it's all my discipline to go, that's exactly what I made my company to deal with. Because this problem I've seen over and over, and and so without the, like, here's how to do it with my software version, the number one challenge that I think that you are having is a problem I've seen many startups have, which is that most people end up with a collection of features in their backlog. And somebody is trying to create a roadmap, which is usually like some PowerPoint, or uh, maybe you've gone out and used some tool that helps you sort of make a roadmap. Maybe you're even trying to use Jira or some other tool like that. But fundamentally, everyone's having a really hard time seeing how does all of that connect to business value? And so I, I feel like the major problem that startups experience, and, and certainly, you know, Sumea, everything that you said around you have to start to get to a point of implementing process is completely true. Um, this this is also indicative of the fact that somebody hasn't made a decision about <laughs> that's in a leadership authority role about how we make these decisions. But the thing you really have to switch to is making business cases instead of making feature backlogs. And you have to get really good at making very, very quick one-page high-level business cases because that's going to uh, make it possible for you to to actually weigh priority in a more objective way. Well, I appreciate you uh, weighing in to me and Justin. So it hopefully gives you some context for what to deal with. And obviously, you can connect with them offline on the Slack group. Uh, moving on, just because we have a hard stop in about eight minutes, and we want to be respectful to the folks who are on stage with questions. So hopefully, I'm saying your name correct. Harshit, you are self-proclaimed as an enthusiast of the PMs. So as in such enthusiast, uh, how can we support you? What is your question? Oh, yes. So my question would be, so uh, like I am a product manager intern at early stage B2B startup. And so how my success as a career in product, product management is tied to the success of the startup I'm working at. Oh, like, was my question clear? So that's it. That's just my question. Like, How my career is tied to the success of the startup where I'm a product manager. So I'm not the head of product. There is a person head of product. I'm just a product management intern. But yeah, like I am like I am doing relevant work there, shipping off features. Um, I can step, step in here. So um, I guess there's, there's two kinds of success you might be thinking of. Like how will your success be measured internally within the startup? Um, and I think it's great to talk with your... Sorry, were you about to clarify something there, Harshi? Or no? Okay. No, no, um, sorry. Yeah, please continue. Okay. <laughs> so, being measured internally, it's great to talk about, um, you know, what goals and what metrics the work you're doing does have impact over. Of course, like there's very rarely in any company of any size, like metrics that are entirely owned or influenced by a single person, but talking about like how your performance would be um, evaluated, what goals to work on, how you might measure them with your manager, right? And so something that you're, you have ownership over or metrics that you're really driving might be successful or you might do a good job of, you know, some of the kind of more, more qualitative pieces, even if the startup itself isn't overall successful in the long term, right? Um, the second thing you might be wondering about is like, say you're at a startup and the startup goes under and doesn't, doesn't make it. Does that make your experience less valuable to other companies? And I would say no, personally on that one. I think that you can have really valuable experience and learn skills and, um, and, you know, be able to take all of those experiences and skills to the next company without the overall startup having um, made it. And everyone knows that startups are um, that, 
not all of them do make it, and it's it's a really hard thing to push through some of those early milestones. And so I don't think that would reflect badly on you as a PM. Harshi, just being respectful of time, I think this is an incredible topic, which is if you're the product manager, and Jeff, we should think about this for future uh, groups and podcasts. If you're the product manager and the company fails, how do you tell your story, right? Because the company or the product failed, is it your fault? How do you spin that in your career? Sometimes there are things out of your control. And so I think, Harshi, this is a great topic for a longer conversation. But uh, Rebecca, appreciate you weighing in on that one. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Rebecca, for your answer. Rock on. Well, we got time before concluding thoughts for one more question. So hopefully I'm saying your name correctly. But Busayo, you've been waiting patiently. And you are a fan of a bunch of product groups and clubhouse. So the stage is yours. Knowing the clock is ticking, what is your question and how can we help? Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I think I'll just stick to the one question. Then I had a second question. Um, so you mentioned I checked out Inclusive Product Managers um, Accelerator, but then I realized that one of the requirements is you have to be able to work in the U.S. And I'm wondering if you could um, recommend any other similar programs like that that would be very helpful for new and developing product managers like myself. And that is actually more inclusive. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say this, we could be as inclusive as possible because everyone else has uh, their own journeys here. So I'll defer Jeff or Sumeya. What are the resources you'd recommend outside of the U.S. that can uh, be akin to what we're creating here at the Product Management Center at UW? Well, I, I was just going to say, this is actually the first time I've thought about this. And so I have to do some research and talking to colleagues. The one organization that I like that has global presence is Mind the Product. They're based out of Europe uh, and they have chapters all over uh, the, the world, but they haven't delved deeper into any other organizations. So that's all I can add. And I'll just chime in too. The Inclusive Product Management Accelerator is open only to people who are authorized to work here in the United States because our goal is to get people hired and we have connections to companies in the United States. We're connecting people with mentors and volunteers. It looked like Rebecca has a resource to share, but I also want to say that in the our goal is to do that by June 2022, 100 uh, new product managers from historically marginalized communities. And then in future years, we might be able to expand, but uh, with a time crunch, it's just to people that uh, we could place, which is our goal. Uh, Rebecca, you had a group to... Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, um, agree with mine, the product. I know Product School has, I think, some online courses in this space that you might check out. And then a couple of group good organizations that aren't necessarily um, teaching, but are more kind of support from other product managers are Women in Product and Products by Women, which I believe both have international presences as well. Thank you, Rebecca. And then I also want to remind you that, uh, Busayo, even though we can't welcome you to the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator this year, as we're trying to place within our contacts uh, 100 people from historically marginalized communities into product management roles for the first time, we do have the Product Management Center Slack channel, which we welcome everybody into. And there's a lot of resources being shared there and opportunities to connect with others who could help you level up. So hopefully you'll join us there. Sumeya, we got to close you out uh, before you go. Any concluding thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to close out with what we started with, which is being a product manager in a startup versus a large corporation, especially, you know, one of the tech companies or the legacy large companies that we talk about a lot. They follow certain patterns, but the startup world doesn't necessarily do that. And, and I think any path that any product manager chooses to go on is a great one. Talk to PMs 
who have worked in both of those kinds of environments to learn more. I think the, the necessary things to keep in mind are, one, the growth mindset, which we started the conversation with. If you're interested in something, you'll make it happen, you'll make it work. Just be be aware of the dynamics that are different, you know, dynamics around funding and runway, things that you don't necessarily have to worry about in another place, or, you know, the, the friction that you get in corporation around risk management, especially if they are public companies, things like that. Uh, you know, there is some nuance there. And I think all of us PMs actually geek out on that stuff because that nuance is also important. You know, it seeps into how we do our, how we build our products, how we interact with our customers. Good luck on that journey. All right. Thank you, Samaya. Thank you for joining us every week on how to succeed in product management, uh, normally hosted in the Week in Product. So thank you for hosting it here in Startup Club. It's great to be here with uh, a new audience for the same wonderful show, but uh, with grand new content. Thanks to Justin and Rebecca. Justin, any concluding thoughts on today's conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think certainly everyone will emphasize that you, you have a lot of learning to do in product. I have so many people who will ask me, you know, hey, how do I get started? Is there like a book I can read? And the answer is usually, well, there's lots of books that you can read and podcasts you can listen to. And there's, you know, product school and, um, you know, I, I love the build trap and, um, you know, lots of different resources. But the reality is, is it's, it's not a clear journey yet. And you have to remember that product management is still a fairly nascent uh, industry. And 10 years from now, we're going to look back at this time and go, gosh, remember when we just used to like heavily rely on custom spreadsheets and post-it notes and whiteboards? Like In the future, it'll become you know, much more systematized and there'll be more tools available. But for now, don't feel disheartened if you feel like, wow, it seems like a mystery to try to figure out how to get, get into this and get better at it. All right. Thank you, Justin. Wonderful to have you here. Uh, and I'll want to add, uh, although he, uh, so he's, uh, as if people are asking for resources, where can I find resources? We have, as we speak, uh, product managers from Salesforce and from Facebook who are organizing all the content that the Product Management Center has created uh, through guest speaking, through blogs, and through podcasts. Uh, and they are organizing it so that you could find, if you're trying to break into PM, what are the relevant uh, episodes to listen to or what should you watch? If you're trying to succeed in your first days in product management, what should you do and watch? And then if you're trying to advance from an IC to a manager of product managers, what should you watch and listen to? So stay tuned. Uh, bookmark uh, the Product Management Center website and we're going to get that up and running within the next few weeks. And so shout out to the two product managers who are organizing all that content. Rebecca, any concluding thoughts from you? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, this is a really fun conversation. Thanks for having me. So, you know, kind of echoing what, what Justin was saying about there not being like a single resource or series of steps to take to be a product manager. You know, I really, I what I love about the product manager journey is how many different paths can lead there and how there is no one right path and how your lived experiences can make you a better product manager. And that can come from so many different places. So I actually just decided for my final words, I want to <laughs> I'm gonna put in a plug that um, we have 
hundreds of really incredible trails of product managers on own trail of women that have come from all different places into product management. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go tweet right now and share a link to a search that shows all of these product management trails. And so for anyone that's interested, go. you can find me on Twitter and check out that link and just get some inspiration from all the different journeys because none of them are the same. And, um, and I'm excited for all of you and, and your journeys that you're taking there as well. All right, way to bring that back. And uh, yes, thanks for the work you're doing with Own Trail. I think this is an important work and it's great that you have uh, Own Trails for product managers uh, so that people could kind of see what paths people have, others have taken. Rebecca, if I could ask you to also throw into the Product Management Center Slack channel in the events group where we've, Saranch Jane has generously taken live notes from today's conversation. If you could post that link that you talked about there as well uh, so that those who are enjoying the multi-channel experience uh, can head over to Own Trail and find uh, the trails of product managers. Yes, I will totally do that. Good idea. Awesome. Thank you for being here. And Red, last but not least, are you Red E? Oh, no. We're not doing this again, Jack. <laughs> do you know that my wife came in and that's the only thing she heard? And she says, oh, my gosh, this is the cheesiest show I've <laughs> ever heard. That's correct. Um, that's and now correct. she's her her statement on that is now locked in forever and recorded for all to hear. But Red, are you ready for concluding thought? Yeah, yeah. And first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who weighed in on my earlier comments about the communities that are available to product managers, right? As we want to be a source of uh, connection, as you saw today, for anyone around the world to meet and learn from other product managers. So hopefully we open that door for you today. But for everybody else, we're here every single Tuesday, 4 p.m. to help you make that jump. And it's not just a startup club. We're also in the product management club that Sumeya also co-manages. So if you're not following this group or others in the product management community across Clubhouse, you're missing out. There's a lot of great stuff out there. So I, I would just say, uh, if you want to learn more about what it's like to be at a startup, ask us, DM us. Uh, closed mouths don't get fed at startups, folks. So don't be afraid to jump out of your shell and ask for help. Back to you, Jeff. All right. And I want to chime in. Don't be afraid to offer help as well. Uh, this show is started because Red Rusek is uh, generous with his time and Aptemptive is generous with their money and helped us convert this these conversations into a podcast. And so if you could find a way to contribute to the product management community, it is rewarding. Red and I are just having a blast with the terrible jokes that I send and the funny jokes that he shares. Again, giving back is rewarding and we could have you give back on the Product Management Center Slack channel. Introduce yourself, tell people how you'll help do mock interviews, career strategy sessions, pose thoughtful questions to the group. Let's help each other level up because the Product Management Center at the University of Washington is all about enriching the lives of diverse product managers, helping product managers enrich the lives of diverse audiences, so making more inclusive products, and uh, giving companies uh, a most trusted source for diverse product management talent. And there's lots of ways that you could enrich the lives of others, and we would love to enable that to happen. So reach out to me on LinkedIn, join the Product Management Center Slack channel, show up on How to Succeed in Product Management uh, Tuesday every 4 p.m. And uh, yeah, do something even outside of the Product Management Center Slack community. Just find a way to give back and uh, lift others up because I think the more people we get into product management, the better products companies are going to create and then the better all of us will be. So thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Justin, for being here. Really great insights. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week, uh, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time on how to succeed in product management. Take care.